God's prophetic words of judgment are not to be treated like your eighth grade Spanish homework, nor are they should, be, should they be looked upon as some distant, far-off event in a galaxy far, far away. So whose problem really are God's words of judgment? I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastorman Podcast. You need the book of Psalms, you need to go to that way, towards the New Testament. If you had the book of Revelation, you've gone too far. <laughs> you can go back that way. <laughs> Chapter 12. I will accomplish great things tomorrow. That's the procrastinator's creed. Right, I, I will accomplish great things tomorrow. Procrastinators, they, they know how to put things off to the last minute, don't they? And, you know, if, if there's a deadline or an assignment due, they're going to wait till the night before. And if, and if they're really good, if they're a really good procrastinator, they won't just wait till the night before. They'll wait till the class before. That's what that, that makes you a really good procrastinator if you're able to pull that off. That was my problem, so I wasn't that good. <laughs> but a, a, a procrastinator's favorite problem is a problem that's not their problem. Am I right? Like, as a procrastinator, you have enough problems going on because you put everything off to the last minute, so the last thing you have time to deal with is someone else's problem. And it's not like you're going to deal with it anyway, because you don't deal with your problems. So you're just going to put that on. And so to procrastinate, the best kind of problem is a problem that's not your problem, because it belongs to somebody else. Today, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 12, uh, our message is titled, Now. And as we examine the text, we're going to be trying to answer the question of, whose problem is it when God speaks prophetic words of judgment? Is it our problem? Is it someone else's problem? Or is it the, pro- the future generations that you're dealing with? That's the question that we're trying to answer as we look at Ezekiel chapter 12. And we're going to be reading verses 26 through 28. And this is what it says. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel is saying, The vision he sees is for many years from now. And he prophesies about the distant future. Therefore say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, whenever you study the book of Ezekiel, you'll you'll notice that one, if you're going there looking to find upliftment and encouragement, The book of Ezekiel is not where you find it. (laughs) It is a very stern and harsh and direct book. But that's the word that the Lord gives to Ezekiel. That's the way he presents it to to God's people. And and while while the word is harsh and the word is blunt, that's just one that's who Ezekiel is, and that's the message that Ezekiel needs to deliver. if you've been going to church at all for any amount of time, you'll begin to realize that not every creature is the same. Have you noticed that? We're not all the same. 
We all have different styles. We all have different ways of telling it because we're all different personalities. But God is able to take and use each one of us in our individualness for his kingdom's sake to share the same message. Uh, one of my favorite memories growing up was going to the uh, district camp meeting up on the Indy district campgrounds. And uh, I can't remember who the speakers were, but they had one in the evening and one in the morning. And I remember the one in the morning preached on a certain passage, and I went back that night and, this, and, and a different speaker preached on the very same passage. And I had two very different messages. But very, very good. The Lord spoke through both of them. And so Ezekiel, for some reason, he's, he's tasked with this very blunt, very honest message. But, but if you study him, and if you read upon him, the, the prophet Ezekiel, you'll learn that many scholars believe Ezekiel was a little bit crazy. That they consider him a little bit of a madman. And it has nothing to do with the words that he has to say. But God tells Ezekiel to do some very strange things. And Ezekiel is obedient. Uh, if you don't know what those are, I encourage you to go home and read it and study the digging this book for yourself. Uh, this is one of, your, one of the books that your pastor reads regularly and has no idea what he's reading 95% of the time. So, that being said, why does God have Ezekiel say this blunt message and why does he have, have him do all these crazy things? To get the attention of his people. If the words were enough to get their attention, perhaps maybe the crazy actions would be. And so this prophet, we're trying to find the answer to the question of whose problem is it? So let's look at verses 27, or 26 and 27. So it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel is saying, The vision he sees is for many years from now, and he prophesies about the distant future. So Ezekiel receives a message from God. He doesn't make it up for himself. He doesn't, he doesn't steal it from the book. He doesn't print it off the internet. He receives this message from God. I don't know if you know this or not, but God still sends messages to his people today. Did you know that? Our God's not silent. He's not gone deaf or dead. He's not, he's not on vacation. God is still speaking this to this very day. And he still speaks to us through a variety of ways. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through, through music. He speaks to us through nature. He speaks to us through just going about our general lives. I wasn't the old George Strait song of I Saw God Today. Have you guys know that song? There's moments we walk about and we see him, and God sends us a message. Now, I'll warn you this, when God sends you a message, it will never be different than what this says. It will always point you back to this. But Ezekiel, he gets a message from God. It's not one he dreamed up or, or, or his own doing. It's one that God gave him. That's what God's always done. And he, the writer of Hebrews writes this. He says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And if you study the Bible, remember your Bible, it's, it's 66 different books written by at least 40 different authors. 
right? It, it, that's a lot of different people. And when, when God inspired them to write His Word, God does not come into their hearts and into the, and take control of their brains and grab a hold of the pen and write it all down for them. That's not how God does it. God's Spirit fills that person. And through their natural being, through their, through their natural abilities, their natural inclinations, God uses an imperfect person to communicate to us His perfect Word. The Bible itself is proof that God can take broken people and make something perfect come out of it. The Bible itself teaches you that lesson. And that's why if you study the Bible, we have all kinds of different books. We have what's called medieval literature. Right? Or not, but that's not Nicole. The, the book of Genesis and Pentateuch. They call it something different. Prime evil history. You have that in there. You have, you have a book of the law. You have a historical books. And then for those of you who hate history and find it boring, there's poetry. There's prophecy. There, there's a, the Gospels, they're literally eyewitness accounts, eyewitness testimonies to, to Jesus. The book of Acts is eyewitness testimonies to the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit's work in the church. There's Paul's letters. All these different styles of writing God takes and uses for His kingdom's sake. And God still does the same thing today. He, he, he uses speakers like Nicole and I. He uses musicians like Barry and Cheryl. And he still uses art. He still uses writing. God still uses all of those things to communicate to us. That's one of the reasons why we have this group here called Original. We haven't met for a while. But original, it's about us using our God-given gifts to share with one another what God's doing in our lives. And if you go in my office, there's a painting that I did in there, and it's terrible. No way the group told me it was, because they're all too nice, but it's terrible. But God, that was me expressing what God was telling me the best I could. So I encourage you, if you've not been, if you've not been to that group, I encourage you to come and participate. It's, it's meeting at least the third Thursday of every month, although it's been a few months. Uh, uh, we just get together and we read scripture and we, we, use, we use that to use our artistic abilities and to communicate. Because why? God still takes and uses those things. Alright, I'm off on a way left field tangent. So let's get back here. So God, God spoke in many different ways. But no matter what method God uses to communicate His message to His people, it was not a message that God's messenger was to keep to themselves. It wasn't one for them to lock away in a box and tuck away. No, God told them, hey, tell, say this now. Talk about it now. Share it with somebody else. And in Ezekiel's case, Ezekiel's task was to dictate God's warning to a people who had spiritually fallen asleep. And so God's message for the people was, if you read the book of Ezekiel, is one of warning. And the warning was about a time that was coming when their sins would mean destruction. And, and that, and that and from studying a scripture, we all know that's the natural path that sin follows, right? Sin will always lead to destruction. Yes, there is a final judgment at the end, but there are moments in history, moments in our lives, where if we do not get off the sinful path we are 
on, it will lead us to a moment of judgment. And that's where the people of Israel found themselves. And this warning about a time that was coming when judgment was going to fall upon the nation of Israel, God doesn't give them a timetable. He doesn't give Ezekiel saying, hey, tell them it's going to happen this day at this time. Why? Because God knows people. He knows they're going to wait till the last minute and think, God's coming tomorrow. We better clean up the house and make it look nice before he gets here. We don't want to get in trouble then. Now, God doesn't give them a due date. He says, this, there's a day coming. The judgment is coming. Your sins are going to meet their, their, their natural, destructive end. So stop what you're doing. He's wanting them to stop chasing sin. And he wants them to do it now. You see, the people, they hear Ezekiel's message, and they just don't listen. They're, they're paying no attention to the prophet. Now, they're not paying, they're not you know, discounting his message, they're not ignoring him because they, they think his message is going to fail. Nor, nor do they think that his message has failed. They're ignoring Ezekiel because they believe that this judgment that is coming is going to happen sometime later off in the future, so they don't have to worry about it. It's not their problem. If it's not happening tomorrow, then don't worry about it now. Let's just put it off. We have time. There is plenty of time to get things ready. Since it was off in the future, it wasn't their problem. Verse 28. Therefore, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. So the people believed that the looming judgment that was coming was an, was an event that would take place in a far off time. And most likely it was going to happen after they were dead and already gone. So it wasn't their problem. But God did not share the warning with them so they could procrastinate put it off. He shared so they would obey and change their ways. And God responds to their lazy attitude by saying, I'm not going to drag out this judgment out into the future. It's going to happen. And they should hear the message now and, and prepare and what little time remained. The message God gave them was for them in that moment. And God was saying to them, now is the time to pay attention to what I am saying because this is what's coming in the future. Now, as you and I will learn, will learn, if you go back and you read the historical books of the Old Testament, they don't pay attention to what Ezekiel says. Matter of fact, God sends other prophets, and they all say the same thing. And they don't listen to them. Matter of fact, Jeremiah, the one that's right there, as, as the judgment falls upon the city, they, he goes and he warns you. He says, hey, it's coming. And when it comes, don't run and hide, don't try and fight it, just surrender and go into this and accept the punishment of God. And even then, he refuses to listen. You see, they were the people that, 
these people, they, were the, they claimed to be the people of God, and really they were God, they were God's special people set apart for His purpose, to be, to, to be His reflection to the, all the other nations of the world. But while they claimed that title, they didn't honor their end of the deal. They didn't worship the one true God. They, they would go to the temple, they would offer up all the sacrifices, they would go through all the motions, but meanwhile they would turn, they would leave the temple courts and walk across the street to the to the statue set up over there. Thinking, well, you know, we have this God in here, and maybe it's okay to have this one too. As long as you're worshiping something, right? And finally, after enough time, after enough of going through the motions, enough of of pretending that they were following God and not enough ignoring God's messengers, the time came. They arrogantly defied the many warnings of Ezekiel and the other prophets. It didn't happen without warning. God kept telling them over and over again, hey, this is coming, this is going to happen, stop what you're doing, pay attention, get ready now. But what happens the day shows up and they, they're, they, they're caught unprepared. And I'm sure there were some people there that looked up in the sky and were blaming God and cursing Him because it was all His fault. God, how could you let this happen? How, how, how would you let it get this far? God, why didn't you tell us? But it's because of their arrogance they weren't willing to listen. They didn't get it until the day that King Nebuchadnezzar showed up at the gates and everything changed. And for the next 70 years, they would be exiles in a foreign land. Now here in 2021, we would like to think that we have learned from their mistakes. And we, we think with all of our, our scientific advancements and all of our, our gained knowledge that we, you know, we're smarter than that. But in a lot of ways, we fall into the same trap. You see, God has given us a warning like the one he gave his people. Jesus, who is God, has promised us that one day he would return. That's the one big prophecy of Jesus that's left. If you study the scriptures, there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus. All of them have been fulfilled, but that one. And God didn't tell it, I mean, God tells us as a message of hope, but also as a warning. He's saying, when I'm coming back one day, and when I return, that is going to be the day that sin and darkness and evil is judged. He said that just as, as a message of hope that we could find faith in Jesus, but also as a warning. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a day or a time. He just tells us to be ready and keep watch. And let me tell you something. If somebody comes to you and says, I know when Jesus is coming back, you need to plug your ears. Okay? They, 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 they don't know. Jesus told his disciples, I don't even know when it's happening. If Jesus doesn't know, who are we to think that we could ever figure it out? No, why does God not tell us? Because it's like with the message he sent through the prophets to the, his people. He wants, it's not about being ready at the moment when he comes. It's about being ready right now for that moment when it comes. But we have that warning, though. Man, are we, 
Are we living the ways we should, knowing that that day is coming? The second and the smallest, I know that that day of judgment is a final day. It's, it's, it's where everything's going to be judged. But let's think about this on a smaller scale. Through science, we have learned that smoking is bad. Am I right? We have learned that beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's bad and it causes bad things to happen to you. Well, I guess while we, while we can claim as human beings that we found that discovery for ourselves, who was it that really led us to that knowledge? It was God, right? God led our scientists to that knowledge. And they shared it with us. And now the things that you buy, that you smoke, or you stick in your face, has a big warning on there that says, this may cause cancer. But do people follow that warning? No. As a matter of fact, we think we're so smart, but we have to, when we go through the drive-thru to get coffee, they had to put a warning label on there that says, hot coffee. Yeah, some people still don't get it. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> There's warnings for us that we ignore. That think that we think it's for somebody else, we think it's for off in the future or off in the distance. So we don't listen. Why why do we why do we ignore God's warnings? Why do people do that? First, because in our minds it is a long way off. Right? We think about the final judgment. We think, that's coming. It's coming one day. It's been 2,000 years so far. What's another 1,000 years? We keep smoking because we think we say to ourselves, well, you know, I might get cancer one day, but that day's not here. I'll quit then. You know? There's still plenty of time for us to work it out. There's no need for a sense of urgency. Second, we, we believe that the event is beyond our lifetime. Right? Uh, there's, a, there's a story of a king that was Hezekiah. And God sends a warning to Hezekiah about something that, that he had done wrong, that it was going to affect his generation, or not his generation, but the generation of the future. And Hezekiah's response was, well, then it's not my problem because I'm going to be dead. Let's face it, if you're dead, you've got other problems. Am I right? If you're dead, that's it. The problems of this world really have no impact upon you personally. So one of the reasons why we ignore God's warnings, we think, well, you know what? You know, I, I might die today, and if there's any problems left for my generation, well, that's fine. The next generation will do it. Do you realize that's why we're still battling this racial equality thing in our country? Because our founding fathers wouldn't, didn't want to deal with it in the beginning. They put it off. Say, oh, well, well, we'll figure that out later. And here we are, still trying to figure it out. Lastly, if we're dead and then the warning is not our problem, and it's the truth. In reality, in reality, in the truthfulness, it's really not, it shouldn't be your problem, right? There's nothing you can do about it. You're dead. You can't change that fact. You're dead. You're not here. So what can you do about it? Absolutely nothing. 
in Christ, even those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord, we know that the judgment is coming. And we know that sin brings its own judgment in our lives. But we think, well, you know what? You know, if I die and, and I'm forgiven, then I'm fine, right? I get to go be with Jesus, and that's the end of it. They have to deal with their own problems. It's not my problem. I'm dead. It's theirs. But I think back to the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is a time in the, in the nation's history of, of, the, of the Jews. They had conquered all of the, the land of promise that God had told them to. They had, they had split up the inheritance. And, they, and at that time, they were led by Joshua and many other mighty warriors and, and, and God-fearing individuals. But the book of Judges starts off in chapter 2 by saying, Joshua and those that knew the Lord died. And then comes the generation that did Their kids were there. They were there. They had walked through the battles with Joshua. They had, they had seen the, heard the stories. They, they may have even seen some of the miraculous events of God. But when Joshua and, and that generation passed away, the next one didn't know. And then that begins the cycle of the story of Judges. And the story of Judges, the book of Judges, is an endless cycle. If we follow God for a little while, we stop following God. Bad things happen. It's over and over. It plays out in the entire book of Judges. You see, God gives a warning to humanity. And we ignore it because of out of apathy and laziness. And in reality, apathy, we, we, we think when we hear the word love, we, we, we ask what is the opposite of love. We, the, the quick answer we're going to shout out is, is hate, right? That's what we think it is. But see, in, in a lot of ways, to hate someone, you have to have the same level of passion as it takes to actually love that person. It involves passion, and, and, and to some degree, it involves a level of care to keep hatred alive. So hatred is not the opposite of love. The actual opposite of love is apathy. Apathy is not to care at all. It's not even thinking about it, not even concern yourself with it. And that's where the nation of Israel has, and that's how we get sometimes. We have these warnings of God, we can become apathetic about them. A word from God is sent to be heard. God sent this message to Ezekiel to give to his people so they would hear it. It wasn't to, to, for them to mark a date on the calendar say, be ready by this day. It was so they would hear it in that moment and they would take time to repent and change their ways. That's what God was really after. God was after the repentance and turning away from sin and to following after the life that he had called them to. And see, Scripture shows all, all kinds of moments when nations and persons are destined for destruction. But then they, they repent and turn from that way and moment, what does God do? God saves them from the judgment that is coming. Scripture is full of those stories. 
God sends Jonah to Nineveh. And Nineveh, when Jonah goes to Nineveh, he's, you know, fish puke stained face and all starts preaching this message that you need to repent because judgment's coming. And what happens? The entire city, city of Nineveh repents and turns away from their wickedness. And what does God do? God spares them. Even think of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. God was willing to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if, if ten righteous persons could have been found. If they could have just found ten of them, God was willing to spare them. God sent this word to this generation for them to hear in that moment to change the, the, the path that they were on. So they can escape the judgment that was coming. Even when you and I, when we talk about the final judgment that's coming, do you realize that final judgment can be escaped? Do you realize that? You can escape the final judgment. How do you do that? By confessing your sins and turning away from wickedness and following after God. You are saved from that moment. God sends these messages of warning so they can be heard. And when God sends a message of warning to us, a word from God is to be heard by all. And by all, I mean everyone. See, judgment is a problem for those who reject God and live contrary to His ways. God has sent the warning because the event is avoidable if they would just repent and believe. And see, you and I, and some of us here this morning, we, we may have been lost and outside that camp, but we, we've been found. We've been rescued. But God wants us to hear that message too. He wants us to hear the word of warning too. Why? Because we might be able to take it and share it with at least one other person. And they can experience the freedom of that salvation too. God's word of warning is meant to be heard by all. Not just those who are perishing, but by those of us also who, who know the truth and who has the ability to share it so we can rescue those around us too. So whose problem is it? Whose problem is it when God speaks prophetic words of judgment? Is it our problem? Is it someone else's? Is it, is it the future generations? The answer is yes. God gives the warning to all because it is for everyone. Matthew Henry wrote this. He says, sinners slumber, their damnation slumbers not. So people can walk around in their sinfulness and fall asleep to their own brokenness and become numb to the world that they're living in. But the destruction that is looming in their future does not sleep. It is already, it's already begun to consume them. It's already begun to lull them away from God and the truth. Already beginning to wall them away from, from being able to see it. Blocking the ears so they can't hear it. Sin is actively destroying our world, the lifeless trapped in it, and impacting all generations. But the good news is this. There is time to share this message of warning. more than that, there's a message of hope that we can share with you. If we, think about it, if we have been saved, if we could share our testimony, 
Live our lives in such a way that glorifies God. If that was good enough to save just one other person from the coming judgment that is, is coming one day, wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be worth it? If, if we as a church, if we had to empty out our entire bank account to save one person, would that be worth it? We have no idea how the, the God-saving one person will impact the future generations. We have no idea. So even if when I turn my district report in, my annual report that I turn into the denomination every year, even if, even if then this year I have to put in just one, which I, I already know, I have to just put in just one, it was worth it. Everything we did this last year was worth it. Because one person came to know the Lord. You see, we, we can look at our day and think, man, it's impossible. How, how, can, how can anyone hear the message of the Lord? How, how can anybody not know and be willing to accept it now? I mean, pay attention. It just seems like our world is chasing after all the evil things that they can. It's easy to look at that and be full of despair and, and discouragement and brokenness. Today we got COVID-19, we got corrupt governments and the cheering of wickedness. And it's actually, it's easy for us to fall asleep with phrases like, well, everyone is doing it. Or, well, evil is so great and become filled with no hope. But do you realize it was like that when the church began selling indulgences back in the Rome, Rome, Holy Roman Empire? In, in that time period, the only one in the church that knew the scriptures were the priests. And they told people, hey, if you want to be saved, you've got, you got to buy this little piece of thing here, this little trinket, and then you'll be saved. In reality, they were just funding the Pope's plans to build a new palace. And I bet you at that time period, they, they thought, how can they get any worse than this? How can it become any darker than the, the time we're living when the, even the church itself is corrupt? Until one day, Mark Lucas heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he went and nailed those species to the door. I bet, I, I bet the church felt that way when the, when the Christian empire collapsed shortly after that. When the Ottoman Empire finally was able to break down through those defenses and sweep across much of Western Europe and, and Eastern Europe and Western Asia, sorry. I'm, I'm sure they felt that way. But how can it get any worse than, than the moment we're in? But God still saved and changed people then. Think back to World War II and the most horrendous atrocities that were committed. People then thought, how, how can God do anything? How then God step in and save people? Change lives. How about when the communist governments took over countries and then they outlawed the Bible and, and, and forced the church to accept their own forms of doctrine and their own version of truth? And we talk, I'm talking like that as a past tense thing. It's actually happening right now in countries all around the world. We look at those situations, we think to ourselves, how, how, can, how can anything good come out of that situation? How can any hope be found? 
How, how can we share that message of that message of warning that, that there is judgment coming? And how can they find the hope of salvation? But I'm here to tell you, church, that in the areas of this world where there are no Bibles, where there are no churches, people are hearing the message of Jesus. They're hearing that message of warning, but they're also hearing the message of hope that they can be saved from it. What's happening? They are giving their lives to Christ. Even in the midst of all that darkness. The message of warning that God has given us, this, this message of this, He is returning again, that promise, that prophecy, is meant for us to hear it now, and it's meant for us to share it now, just as the message that Ezekiel received from God was to tell His people that judgment is coming. God is telling us, share this message, but don't just share the message of, of, of brokenness. Don't just share that, 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 that where sin will lead you. Yes, that's important. You have to tell them that, that, that sin will lead to destruction, that sin is, is the road to hell. But guess what? We, what, we, what we really have to tell them is greater than that. We can, we can tell them that there is hope now because of what Jesus did for us. And even if we do not face those trials in our lifetimes, now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to gather the treasure hidden in the field. Now is our time, church. Now is our time to, to hear God's word. Let it be planted in our hearts. And then let it come out of our mouths, our hands, and our feet. Now. Sin leads to destruction. And God has given all that warning. Whether it's judgments in the moments of history or the final judgment that is awaiting at the end, this is sin's path. But this is not the path that anyone has to travel. No one has to go that way. You're not stuck on it with no hope of getting off. You can hear God's word warning, repent and be saved. You can be saved. Your neighbor, they can be saved. That, that person in your, in your classroom that drives you crazy, they can be saved. That idiot driver that cuts you off on the way to McDonald's, they can be saved. All they have to do is hear the warning, repent. And, having, and if you're here this morning and you've heard God's warning, glory be to God. You are off that road. The judgment isn't for you. It's not something you have to lay up awake at night wondering about. The devil will come around from time to time and try to try to convince you that you really, nothing really happened. He'll try to make you scared that moment when it comes. But Christian, you have no reason to fear the end. You come to our Revelation Bible study, you'll hear that every single week, won't you? We talk about that every single week. The, the message of hope is that we can escape that. The Christian does not face that final judgment. We get to go be in the presence of our Lord. If we take and surrender to that message now. And if you've done that, then that means you have to do what your Lord has done. But did your Lord do? He picked up, his, he came to this world, made it his life's mission to help others to do the same. To get them off the path of sin, off the path of righteousness. And if we've heard that the message, if God has saved us, then our job is to take up our cross like he did. And share the, our hope with the world. Just like our Savior did for us.
Have I spoken the truth this morning, church? That's where we're going to close out the song. It's called I Am Resolved. And if you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus. Now is the time. Don't put it off till later. Don't, don't wait till you're on your death. Don't wait till you're, you're stuck in the pit of despair. Now is the time to come and talk. Now is the time to get right with him. Maybe, maybe you've been in your faith, you've been wandering away from the Lord a little bit. The things of this world have enticed you and, and, and led you down a different road. Maybe you made some decisions in your life and you just keep making one step further and further away from God. And this morning, now is the time to do a 180 and start going back the other way. And church, if you're here this morning, and you know the Lord. Don't leave you without, without knowing that now is the time for you to share the message of hope. When I say share it, it's not just with your words, but by the way you love the people around you. Now is the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. If you live in or near the Greensburg, Kentucky area or find yourself visiting our community on a Sunday morning, please join us at 1030 a.m. Central Time at Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane.